This week, in the parish of bourses and market structure, a new technological architect for Hong Kong exchanges, half a billion dollars hacked at Binance, New York Stock Exchange and Johannesburg Stock Exchange announce their cooperation. Meanwhile, the nickel nightmare lawsuit against LME is given grounds to proceed. And the New Zealand Exchange's chairman's succession plan has been announced. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast, episode 165. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very brief reduction of highlights from amongst the key headlines that took place during the week in market structure. All the analysis of the events and happenings from the past seven days can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, the unique guide to the bourse business sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. And indeed, we had a very special issue this week to boot. In memory of reaching the 60 years plus T plus 007 days milestone since the movie Dr. No launched the world's most famous espionage movie series, we proudly presented a special edition of Exchange Invest on Wednesday the 12th of October, issue number 2478. This tradition follows on from our Yogi Berra Tribute Edition, which was number 596 on September the 24th, 2015, where the unique polymath quote machine baseball star offered his exchange insights from beyond the grave. This time round, PLY did not add any further comment to the day's newsletter, but instead ceded the pith-taker-in-chief role to various cinematic highlights of 007's Bon Mo, as well as a few carefully curated snatches of Ian Fleming's own words from the Bond novels. After all, as Ian Fleming noted, never say no to adventures. Always say yes, otherwise you'll lead a very dull life. In the end last week, we didn't reach 78 parish notes a la Martin Luther to kneel to anything, but by the time CNBC had an interview with LTEL, the chairman of the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, Terry Duffy, they'd quite forgotten to already ask about his mooted brokerage subsidy within CME Group. Exchange Invest has laid the groundwork research here that is not being seen elsewhere about the business of brokerage and how CME might or might not fit into that model with the help of our resident Exchange Invest superhero, Captain Conflict of Interest. More from Exchange Invest. Catch our back issues there if you're a subscriber. Finally, though, we're escaping the COVID era and travel is normalising across the globe. Conferences are reconvening and companies are organising more in-person meetings. After that rather epic week, where I think it was fair to say Exchange Invest had an advantage at the apex of insight and pith that was unseen elsewhere, you might like to consider yours truly, PLY, as a booking for your next event. We've published a sub-one-minute promo video, Patrick L. Young Show Reel. You can find it on YouTube and gives you some idea of how we can discuss the new frontiers of digital finance in every possible angle, the legacy of TradFi, and indeed if you have a motorsporting event needing commentated, well, 
you know where to call. In news this week, the Hong Kong Exchange's CEO blog opened a new chapter by Nicholas Agazin, the HKEX CEO. Not his new chapter, of course. He's been blogging for a year or so now since he took office, but rather talking about the future of Hong Kong now that it's gradually working its way towards lifting its COVID restrictions. As he noted... The Hong Kong superconnector role is unique, not because there is no alternative, but because Hong Kong adds value on so many levels, and nowhere is this more apparent in capital markets. Bravo, a great comment, and hopefully the SAR will be much more open for visitors as it has been for business during the course of the pandemic. Over in the UK subsidiary of Hong Kong exchanges, the LME are seeking a market opinion on a possible ban for new Russian metal entering the warehouse system. At the same time, slightly less pleasing news for LME, although altogether not surprising. A UK court has said that various plaintiffs, including Elliot and Jane Street, can sue the LME over their cancelled trades during what exchange invest terms the nickel nightmare. Collaboration of the week, the New York Stock Exchange. They've now managed a trifecta of such MOUs in the course of the last three months alone. New York Stock Exchange and the Johannesburg Stock Exchange announced collaboration on dual listing. Of course, what we saw previously was the end of July, there was an agreement with SGX and then also Tokyo Stock Exchange, which followed last month. The issue, of course, is how much NICE can benefit from what amounts to an MOU form of structure, which traditionally in the Bourse Parish have proved mostly not to be worth as much as the frequent flower miles earned in their creation. Then again, NICE is a different breed to most of the parish, so if anybody is going to make cooperation turn into a core business, I'm sure they will. Incredible numbers out of interactive brokers this week. They have doubled their client accounts in no less a time than 24 months to 2 million people. In fact, Paul Kahn on IPO Vid was discussing the retail revolution just the other day. Unless you're struggling to believe this, IBKR having 2 million clients is a good enough piece of evidence for me to believe that Paul's protestations that the retail revolution is real genuinely is very, very real indeed. Hong Kong Bourse, they took a sensible and I think sustainable view on climate disclosure. They're saying that a one-size-fits-all approach is not desirable when it comes to the disclosure standards. In fact, Hong Kong Exchange's executive noted it would be irresponsible for us to force firms to prepare disclosures that they don't have bandwidth for. Pragmatism and not hot air. Very, very welcome from Hong Kong Exchanges. Meanwhile, Tadawal Group have awarded the $37 million fit-out contract for their new headquarters. Plaudits to Aquas Exchange CEO and founder Alistair Haynes, who produced an excellent op-ed for the Daily Telegraph this week asking for a more sensible tax regime to help the UK stock markets maintain their prime listing venue and secondary market position. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. It was a busy week for new markets in the parish. All the information was in Exchange Invest Daily, the newsletter no person can afford to be without in capital markets and market structure. For the sake of this podcast, here are a few edited highlights. 
The Bombay Stock Exchange, they have received SEBI's in-principle approval for their social stock exchange as a separate unit. Meanwhile, Piyush Goyal, he's urged the BSE to set up an interface with the startup ecosystem, something PLY firmly believes is a great idea for the right-sized, scaled or indeed managed exchanges. Egypt is planning a new derivatives market for currency hedging, and that came in the same week that it was rumoured that Egypt and other African and Asian exchanges have been discussing carbon trading platforms. Finally, this week in new markets, an expansion to the Uzbek Commodity Exchange. They're planning to open a trading platform in the United Arab Emirates. News this week, the Australian takeover saga that became an epic battle seems to be going from epic to farce. The two-year-long attempts to buy Australian share registry firm Link Administration is, well, indeed, turning into a farce. One deal which is not turning into a farce, it seems to be headed towards closure rapidly. Chinese crypto mogul Leon Lee he has sold his controlling stake in the exchange firm Huobi to the Hong Kong-based About Capital Management. As stated previously in Exchange Invest issue 2429, Leon Lee was reportedly seeking $3 billion for his 60% stake in Huobi. Finally this week, a little bit of news from Central Europe. The... Warsaw Stock Exchange, main parent body, has granted a revolving loan of up to 100 million Polish złoty. That's towards Towarowa Giełda Energia SA, which is better known as, of course, the energy market division of the Polish exchange trading electricity as PolPX, etc. That's 100 million Polish złoty, which is circa 25 million US dollars in today's money. If you're trying to work out what to do about today's money, or indeed the money of the future, then you ought to be considering reading my latest book, Victory or Death, Blockchain, Cryptocurrency and the Fintech World. It's published by DV Books and is distributed by Ingram Worldwide. Meanwhile, while you're waiting for your copy of Victory or Death to arrive, check out our live stream, IPO-Vid. It's on at Tuesdays, 6pm London time, 1pm New York time. The live video show is available also in back issue form. You can catch it on LinkedIn, Facebook and YouTube, again by searching IPO-vid. This week we had a marvellous guest, Olivier Garris, building better markets all over the world, talking about his experience being a leading team member amongst no fewer than seven major exchange builds in four different continents. And we're going to be talking about delivering new parish tech in episode 81, coming next Tuesday, with Mac Gill. Product news this week. It's been a good news week for single stock futures. ADX and Abu Dhabi, they added five more single stock futures to their derivatives markets. While similarly, the Turkish Derivatives Exchange, part of the Borsa Istanbul Group, was adding new single stock futures contracts and changing the spec of various this week. China will include eligible dual listed shares in the Stock Connect scheme, which is welcome news for parties at either end, north or south bound of that unique connector between the Special Administrative Region of Hong Kong and mainland China. 
Global Connect, GPW, that's Warsaw Stock Exchange's new international market, is scheduled to launch on the 4th of November, while Tokyo Exchange have confirmed their topics restructuring. Nearly 500 firms have been removed from the topics index as part of the cash market reorganisation. Exciting new carbon listing rules have come from the London Stock Exchange this week, while the Bombay Stock Exchange's SME platform has achieved a milestone of no fewer than 400 listed companies. Technology news this week, the SEC had a technical glitch having to reopen comment periods that the technology had closed off. An embarrassing technical glitch for the SEC after they, of course, have been berating various practitioners for errors. Meanwhile, BMLL, they've launched an intuitive no-code data visualization tool for US and European equities and ETFs. We just love low-code, no-code. We use it all the time between exchange apps within our offices. And indeed, it's very exciting to hear BMLL combining no-code with data visualization in an exciting sandbox in which I'm sure many of us will want to play. Ice Global Network, they've expanded their wireless services in Europe. And of course, Binance had a mega hack. At first, they said it was just $100 million in the Financial Times. But in the end, it turned out to be some $570 million. Hackers, in this case, not stealing the money. They literally made it out of thin air. An embarrassing more than half a billion dollars worth of Binance coin tokens were created and promptly stolen due to a software issue. Regulation news this week. The SEC, apparently their staff, have been annoyed about Gary Gensler's self-promotion over the Kim Kardashian case. At the same time, the Wall Street Journal was saying the SEC should leave Kim Kardashian alone. I disagree. Yes, the SEC is trying to do too much during the Gensler era chairmanship, and some of it is now appearing somewhat slapdash. However, When there's one rule for influencers and another for hoi polloi, well, down that road madness lies, even if the USA does have a weird plutocratic indulgence facility, or so it seems on occasion. A second crypto group, they're objecting to the CFTC's use of chatbots to serve legal papers. This, of course, all relates to Okidao, where in some cases participants are saying that fear may be keeping the Okidao voters from mounting a defence against the CFTC. And at the same time, the chairman of the CFTC, Chairman Benham, has said that the case against Okidao was so egregious the CFTC had no choice. Now, it would appear here that in the haste to endorse the simplistic juvenilia of millennial Dow thinking, a lot of brains got left behind, and thus we have a mess. CFTC have elegantly and ruthlessly exploited this in the hope of getting a starter precedent, which they can in future tweak to decimate the Dow cult. I wasn't sure it would work out exactly this way, but it was always clear Dow's didn't share the first two letters of the word daft without some coincidence. Of course, it wasn't just youth rushing to embrace DAOs, a lot of middle-aged folk got caught up in the unthinking upending of corporate structure which doesn't correlate with umpteen millennia of legal civilization in any code. Now it's a rock-hard place repo for the DAO holders. Don't vote and the president is made. Vote to influence the running of the organization and the CFTC will seek to come after you. An elegant regulatory syllogism for our approaching 
post-analogue times. Career news this week. Big news from the New Zealand Exchange. Rob Hamilton has been appointed New Zealand Exchange's board chair-elect following the announcement in February that current board chair James Miller is to retire after next year's annual shareholder meeting. It was also announced that Rachel Walsh would be joining the NZX board effective immediately. That's major parish news about the succession plan and I wish to applaud the excellent efforts of James Miller and wish him and his successor all the very best as they look forward to interesting pastors new. Hong Kong exchanges were pleased to announce this week that Mark Carr has joined the group as Managing Director and Chief Enterprise Architect. Given that Mark Carr previously operated in a similar role for that behemoth of e-commerce and concentrated low-latency, high-volume speculation, the Hong Kong Jockey Club, it looks like a very sound HKEX hire to me. Former head of equities at LCH, Alex Krinik, he's taken on the CEO role at the Kuwait Clearing House. NGX Group in Nigeria, they've announced Umaru Kwairanga as the new chairman. And Erica Bourne is going to join the London Stock Exchange Group as Chief People Officer. In Big World this week, it's interesting or perhaps scary to note, ladies and gentlemen, that the total assets of China's securities firms hit 1.49 trillion US dollars. That's 10.59 trillion yuan. In the same week, US government debt surpassed 31 trillion dollars. And on that mysterious and magnificent note, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Patrick L. Young, builder of Exchanges the World Over and publisher of Exchange Invest. I wish you all a great week in blockchain, life and markets. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our program, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.